You're listening to the Arise Bible Academy podcast. In our second lesson of the Deliverance module, Philip Edwards will examine what demons are and what they seek to do. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching and please remember to head on over to ariseministry.org.uk for the latest news, events and to see the other ministries we have to offer. And now, over to Philip Edwards for today's teaching. Okay, well, it's good to be uh, with you again. And if you're listening uh, on the podcast, it's good to uh, have you join us for this teaching. Last week, when I taught on this, we looked at lots of scriptures. And uh, we're not going to look at so many tonight. And I have to do some going back to, to lesson two, which I never finished off last week. But before we start of any of this tonight, let's just have a word of prayer and commit this time to God, that God will anoint our ears and anoint the teaching as well because we're dependent on the Holy Spirit always uh, for everything that we do so Heavenly Father we just thank you for your goodness to us and your provision in our lives in every way Lord we you want us to understand more and more so we come to you in faith we come to you to receive the things that we need and we know you're more than willing to give them to us but we have to come the route that you've made possible for us. So, Lord, just anoint the ears of the people who are listening tonight. Lord, anoint my lips and uh, my mind, Lord, as we cover this this subject, Lord. We just ask for your protection. We know the enemy isn't pleased with us when we expose him and look into the awful things that he's doing. Father, so we ask for your protection over ourselves and our families. In Jesus' name, amen. As I was saying, I needed to go back because I only really covered lesson one last week. We tried to do two lessons in each week. I don't apologize for that because what I wanted to do last week was really uh, approach it from a scriptural perspective. So we looked at two very large pieces of scripture, uh, both found in Mark's gospel, and that ate up a lot of our time. I won't be doing that this week. Perhaps I can go back to looking at the scriptural accounts of deliverance a little bit later on in the course because I want to catch up this evening so we'll be doing lessons two three and four tonight and uh, uh, I'll try and move forward with it fairly steadily so it's not a problem if there are any things that you need to ask questions on you need to perhaps jot them down and then we when we have that time at the end to ask questions we can do with it there lesson two then we need to know that Jesus is our victor in other words whatever deliverance ministry we get involved in or whatever we stand against the enemy that Jesus has already gone there before us and won a victory for us and of course as we soak ourselves in God's word we'll be more assured of that and we'll understand uh, clearly that he has given us he's already given us the total victory but we have to Uh, exercise it we have to bring it into reality in our lives and the lives of others around us so just look at those scriptures that I've headed there that would uh, just encourage us about the victory that we have Genesis 3 and 15 he says and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers he will crush your head and you will strike his heel It's interesting that we are the body of Christ 
And right there in the early chapters of Genesis, it says, there will be one that will come that will crush the serpent's head, but he will strike at our heel. He will strike at, well, the heel of Christ. Well, we are the heel of Christ. So he strikes at us. He hurts us. Uh, but Christ has come and crushed his head. It says in Matthew 28 and 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In Luke 10, 18 and 20, he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you, that's us, authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to uncover all the power of the enemy. I like this last bit at the end. And nothing will harm you. See, we can go into the battle knowing we're operating under the authority of Christ and he has promised us that the enemy will not harm us. In Romans 8, 39 it says, No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, uh, sorry, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So the point I'm making is we, we go forward, but Christ has gone in front of us and won this tremendous victory for us. Philippians 2.9 says, Therefore God exalted him, that is Christ, to the highest position and gave him the name that is above every name. Colossians 2.14 and 15, He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. It is the cross that has given us the victory against the enemy. 1 John 4, 4, You dear children are from God, and you have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And Revelations 1, 17 and 18. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And he placed his right hand on me and he said, Do not be afraid. I am the first, I am the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and of hell. In our battle against the enemy, there are certain scriptures that we need to know and get inside of us. The scriptures are the truth of God. So we have to focus on them. We have to keep reading them until they become part of our mentality, our understanding, and we, we just know them as an assurity. Also, when we go into battle against the enemy, just as Jesus said to Satan, it's, it is written, it is written, you remember when he went into that wilderness situation? When you go into the battle with the enemy, you go with these verses. Verses of Scripture, Scripture is powerful against the enemy. He is, he is terrified when we come at him with the Scripture. It has just power within itself. We cast out demons with the authority, the name, the authority of Jesus. 
and that authority is always exercised in faith and faith comes to us not because we believe in God faith comes because we read the Word of God as you read these scriptures I've given you over and over again a faith will grow up inside of you a boldness a strength to stand against the enemy so we overcome him by the faith that is built up by the Word of God if you come against evil spirits and forces of darkness they know they know if you have confidence or not they know if you have assurance they know they seem seem to be able to read the level of your faith so if we're going to go into uh, warfare against the enemy they will know and so we need to build ourselves up in this most wonderful faith it's interesting that news travels fast on the on the demonic grapevine we have that passage uh, in Acts 19 and 15 where some uh, Jewish men tried to cast a spirit out of somebody but they weren't born again of the spirit it says one of the evil spirits said to these men who were trying to cast the evil spirit out Acts 19 15 one day the evil spirit answered them Jesus I know and I know about Paul but who are you it's interesting isn't it they knew about Paul because there was a grapevine in the demonic world you can even hear the demons saying to one another listen if you come across Paul go careful because he's bad news he seems to move with an authority that is terrifying see they obviously knew Jesus but they were hearing about Paul I like to think that sometimes they say oh watch it Philip's around you know uh, I don't want to boast in myself or saying but you want a reputation if you're going to take the enemy on you want over the years to build a reputation that it becomes somewhat intimidated by one's presence because we know the authority we stand in and what we can do against him when you come against some evil spirits uh, they will boast they will say they're strong and they're powerful and some of them when you're praying we looked at this last week are a little bit difficult to dislodge we know when Jesus dealt with the man of Gadira he said he had said to the spirit over and over again that you're to come out of him and of course he refused so there are different strengths of the demonic and we need to be aware of that but doesn't matter what the strength is Jesus is always the victor he is the one who is standing alongside you he is the one who has gone ahead of you he is the one who has given you his word and with the word we have authority over the enemy it's good if we're going to get involved in spiritual warfare that we understand the enemy we understand his tactics and his schemes never fall into the trap of feeling sorry because sometimes when you minister to people that have evil spirits the spirits start to they whimper as though they're weak and there's something it's just a strategy so that you'll ease off and you won't come against them with more force you sometimes think oh you feel sorry for the person well I always feel sorry for the person but I don't feel sorry for the spirits that are in the person I have one intention and that is to drive them out of people's lives remind you what David said in Psalm 139 21 22 it says do I not hate those who hate you O Lord and abhor those who rise up against you 
I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. So I understand that Christians, we're loving people. We want to be kind to everyone. But listen, when you're stepping into the arena with the enemy, you want to be forceful with him, not with the people, love the people, but forceful against those evil forces that have these people trapped and locked in their lives. It says in 2 Corinthians 2 and 11, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. It's lovely to talk about Jesus, to talk about the good things of God, the wonderful things of God, but at some point we have to discuss and look at and examine how the enemy works, the evil things that he does, his strategies. Some people say, well, if you talk about the devil, he'll turn up. Listen, he'll turn up whether you talk about him or not. If you want to press on with the things of God, he's not far away from you. He, he, he recognises the danger you are to his kingdom and he wants, to, he wants to close you down and shut you down. So whether we talk about it or not, he's coming. But I have discovered on courses like this or when I, I get moving against him in whatever form it is, he's never far away. He's always trying to shut things down, shut the ministry down, stop people talking about him. I read an interesting story about... Um, uh, Montgomery, Field Marshal Montgomery, he was in the North African campaign and uh, the, the, the story was that he was pitched against Rommel and uh, in his caravan when he was in, in the desert he had a picture of Rommel over his bed and I thought well is that true and of course I saw a film once on the television and I was looking out for this and of course they took you into his caravan and yeah, they got the facts right. There was a picture of Rommel over Montgomery's bed. You think, what's that all about? Well, he knew that Rommel was a great general. He had to study Rommel and know what Rommel had studied to know what Rommel was going to do in war. So we need to know something about the enemy, something about his schemes. Paul says we're not, we're not ignorant of the devil's schemes. Well, are you? because we need not be. There's enough in the Bible to explain these things to us. What is a scheme? A scheme is a settled war plan. The devil does the same thing over and over and over again, primarily because it works in people's lives. So once we understand what he's doing and how he works and how he organizes things, then we, as we stand against him, can have a strategy to pull down the powers of darkness, to, to release people from the captivity they're in. I don't want you to study this as though you would study any other subject and get a degree in it because you'd probably need deliverance anyway in the end. But we need to be wise as the Bible teaches us about the strategy of the enemy. We need to know what spirits to expect, how they got into people, how, why, why they were there? Did they come in uh, through birth? Did they come in through circumstances in their life? What is he using to bind up people? What, what spirits does he send against certain churches or certain ministries and all of these different things? We have to understand his strategy if we're going to be any good in the battle at all. We need to know what weapons we have. All the weapons that we fight with, they come out of our mouth. They come from our lips, so we have to know and understand what they are because we will defeat him with what we say.
we have three primary weapons one is the name of jesus the name of jesus his is such a powerful weapon because he gives us authority so when you're standing against the demonic you say i come against you in the name of jesus we pray in the name of jesus we baptize in the name of jesus we do everything in his name because his name carries all authority so if we're going to stand against the enemy we come against him in the name of jesus we know the power of the blood of jesus because the blood speaks of the covenant that we've entered into with god and the blood of the covenant so when we're ever coming against the enemy we can testify to what the blood of jesus has brought us into the victory we have through the blood of jesus the enemy hates it when we quote uh, scriptures relating to the blood and the authority we have through the blood of jesus and the last thing is the word of god itself there are promises as I, and also as i said the scripture just the words of scripture are powerful to dislodge the enemy sometimes with all of these things we we need to find the words to say if we haven't had much experience we run out of a dialogue quite quickly because the holy spirit is there to give us the words to say he will equip us he will strengthen us and sometimes even give us the words to say we must be clear we're casting out spirits by the word that comes out of our mouth you never have to touch anyone in deliverance you don't have to shake anyone or punch them or do anything weird like that the power comes from your lips the power to destroy the enemy comes from your lips it says this in matthew 23 8 and 16. Uh, 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 sorry uh, matthew 8 and 16. when evening came many who were demonized were brought to him and he drove out the spirits with a word see he drove out the spirits with the word 2 thessalonians 2 8 says this and then the lawless one will be revealed whom the lord jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming and then finally oh there's two more revelation 116 in his right hand he held seven stars and out of his mouth came a double-edged sword you see all of these refer to his mouth jesus had a sword his breath destroyed the enemy he overcome him by the word revelation 12 and 11 says they overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony we overcome him by testifying to what the blood of jesus has accomplished for us he is under our feet we need to speak this out to him i tell you even in a difficult situation if there's sickness in the home if you're under great pressure or there's fear or something start speaking with your mouth start speaking to the enemy because that is you can't imagine him away you can't just say lord lord help me help me because the lord will say no it's time for you now to take your stand and to speak out against the enemy and to put him in his place 
Many times I've gone out to where there's no one around and I have shouted my head off at the enemy. Not as though shouting uh, makes any difference. It's about faith and authority. But sometimes we like a good shout, don't we? We like to put the enemy in his place because he needs to be put in his place. And we do it by the words that come out of our mouth. Like I said at first, you might experience some difficulty with this. Press through press through with everything you know i grew up in a, in a church setting where people weren't afraid to pray out they would pray out for hours they would keep speaking and praying out i know there are other churches where people really struggle in opening their mouths to be able to pray in public we have to break through this and we have to not be afraid of hearing our voice as we come against the enemy jesus <laughs> Jesus, when he was tempted, remember when he was uh, led by the Spirit in, into the wilderness? Uh, it's in Matthew chapter 4, and he said on several occasions, it is written, it is written, it is written. So he, he just took the word of God, he took scripture. Now, he could have come against the enemy and said, don't you realize who I am? But he never did that. He said that it was written. He took the word of God and he spoke it out and it's very interesting if you read through that passage satan did the same to him he said it is written he said uh, for it is written and so what we have to do we have to be smarter than the enemy when it comes to the scripture if he's going to come along and quote scripture at you you have to know the scripture to be able to quote it back to him and to put him in his place of which course jesus did we need to recognize that we are we're part of a body work with someone else always in the deliverance ministry jesus sent his disciples it says two by two uh, you need to know your weaknesses in all ministry and your limitations because we are only experienced to the point that we have been developed by the, the spirit of god and we have certain limitations satan what he wants to do with people he wants to isolate them if they're uh, seeking to be in ministry and he wants to give them the runaround he wants to tire people out he wants to exhaust them so we appear to have little success in it. no we go out in twos we strengthen one another and we we support one another in ministry that's the way also that we learn from one another uh, a junior person going with a senior person and then listening carefully to what that person is saying and following them that's what jesus said he called his disciples to him and he said do what i do we looked at this last week i'm your rabbi where i go you go what i say you say what i do you do and it's a bit rote at first because that's how we learn that's how everyone learns they watch somebody else who has more experience than them and they get on board with a program it's important in deliverance we keep ourselves right if we find ourselves being weak in areas of sin then the enemy will take full advantage of us but if we get involved in this ministry we know that God affords us some extra protection it says in Luke 22 and 31 uh, this is Jesus quoting he said Simon Simon Satan has asked to sift you as wheat but I have prayed for you that's a really encouraging verse to think if you're going to step out into the things of God whatever realm of ministry that you're going to get involved in Jesus is praying particularly for you 
He is before the Father affording you extra protection. So let's get started. This is the finish of the first week's course where we were talking about the whole realm of ministry and who should be involved and how should we get started and uh, that, that brings that particular lesson to a close. We're going to move on to lesson two now uh, which is trying to understand what evil spirits are. If we know more about who, who they are, where they come from, what they're doing, uh, it'll help us in the battle against them. Let me give you a definition. Demons or evil spirits or unclean spirits, we can use the same word in each case, the same description. The, the Bible interchanges uh, the, the description of these things. Demons are spirits without bodies. They seek bodies to operate in and through and in their desire to fight against God and those whom God loves. So a spirit is a spirit that wants to enter a body and once entering the body it wants to manifest itself, its personality through that person that it could seek to destroy or bind up the work of God. That's Satan's strategy, that's what he uses evil and demonic spirits for. There's three possible suggestions of where they come from and who they are in origin. Now the Bible doesn't tell us so it's open for speculation. Some people think they're fallen angels. Scripture says how a third of the angels fell with Satan to the earth and so they would jump to the conclusion, I think it's a jump to a conclusion, that the, 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 the spirits that we're dealing with are fallen angels. I probably don't think that's true because I think an angel is of a different order than an evil spirit. It's a much higher order of being. And as far as I can see from scripture, uh, angels aren't looking to enter into bodies. Angels can manifest their own bodies, whereas evil spirits are looking to operate inside a body. Secondly, possibly they come from a pre-Adamic race. In other words, there, before Adam and Eve, there was a race in the world God created before Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve and the, scripture that we, the scriptures that we read are uh, God's, uh, God restructuring the world after everything had collapsed the first time. So he starts off with a creation and it goes terribly wrong and in that time Satan falls and dominates the earth and all those sorts of things. So God decides to flood it all and start again with Adam's race, a new creation. So part of the idea is that these spirits that we deal with today were the disembodied spirits of a pre-Adamic race. Now you say, would God do that? Would God just wipe it all out and start again? Well, he was going to do it at the time of Noah. And the reality was, unless he had found Noah a righteous man, he would have done it all again. He would have wiped off everything and started again. And we know that with the children of Israel, because of their rebellion and disobedience, he was all up for wiping them out and starting again with Moses. So it's not, it's not, not in the character of God to start again. To start again so we we could be dealing with the spirits of a pre-adamic race the third 
proposal and uh, like I said it's it's all uh, we don't know for certain so really you need if you want to read more about it you can do and then come up with your own conclusion uh, possibly it was the the sons of, of God who made love with the daughters of men let me read this verse to you in Genesis 6 1 and 2 when men began to increase in number on the earth the daughters and daughters were born to them sorry the sons of man saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they married any of them they chose if you look read into that a little bit the suggestion is that these these sons of God were these fallen angels that came the fallen angels came and they uh, made love with the the, the women of this world and then their offspring were possibly the d demonic spirits that we're dealing with today uh, remember how wicked the world became by the time of Noah so the idea was that these fallen angels came and populated the earth through the daughters of men and then everyone who was born was just so vile and wicked and evil that the spirits that are in the world today are the spirits from these offspring like I said the Bible isn't clear so we don't know I don't think there's any other proposals of ideas but they're there now you can say well it's really important I know where they come from well it's not actually the important thing is that Jesus made it very clear they're here he showed us how to deal with them and we just need to get on with the work of dealing with them now I have my own uh, preference of the three but I'm not going there that's for a uh, a private matter of discussion at some other time but uh, anyway that that's what lies before you they certainly prefer to dwell in human bodies a spirit wants it doesn't um, there are th such things as ghosts but they're strange phenomena they're not very common what is most common in the demonic is that spirits want to enter into the bodies of men and women and operate through them let me read this to you in Matthew 12 43 45 it says when the evil spirit comes out of a man it goes through arid places seeking rest and it does not find it then it says I will return to the house that I left so it talks about where he lives as his house his place of dwelling when it arrives it finds the house unoccupied swept clean and put in order then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself and they go in and they live there and the final condition of the man is worse than the first that is how it will be with this wicked generation so he's saying evil spirits are looking for houses bodies to go and live in and of course when they get in they make themselves comfortable and they operate their personality through that person whatever it is it could be a spirit of anger a spirit of bitterness it could be a spirit of rejection a spirit of fear and it operates and it, it takes over that body and it functions through the body we know in the incident we looked at last week uh, where the the evil spirits when they were cast out of the gathering demoniac they entered into the pigs it says in mark 5 11 and 13 a large herd of pigs were feeding on the nearby hillside the demons begged Jesus send us among the pigs allow us to go into them it seems that rather than just being cast out into the air or the atmosphere their preference was to enter into 
a body, the body of a pig. It seems that the body is the natural habitat for a spirit. And so to ease the man's problem, he gives these demons the permission to leave and to go and to enter into these pigs. Why do I not think that spirits are angels? I said to you, really, I think they're of a far higher order. I think there are fallen angels in the heavenly realms that are manipulating and controlling in the earth, but I don't think it's what we deal with down here. I think we're dealing with something quite small and something fairly low-ranking in Satan's kingdom. We give a little word of warning last week about praying uh, against higher orders and we need to be sure that God has called us to do that before we start just praying out against spiritual forces in the heavenlies. We just need to deal with the spirits that are dwelling in the lives of people. There are different kinds of demons. They're not all the same. There's different strengths of the demonic. It says this in Matthew 12 and uh, 45. Then it goes out and it takes with it seven spirits more wicked than itself. Is that reference to coming back into the house? It brings with it spirits more wicked than itself. So sometimes you might be dealing with the demonic and you're very successful and then you're praying for somebody on another occasion but you can't understand why it doesn't budge like it, it did so easily before. Well, because you're dealing with something of a higher order, something that is, is stronger. Uh, we know that the, uh, the man who brought his son to Jesus to, to be delivered, and Jesus wasn't there, he was at the Mount of Transfiguration, so he brought him to the disciples, but they, they couldn't deal with the demonic in this young boy. But when he, he went to Jesus, Jesus dealt with it and they said, how come we couldn't deal with this spirit? He said, this kind. In other words, there are strengths of different demonic forces and spirits. If, if we find ourselves dealing with something that is stronger than the, what we're normally used to, best to go and, and, and pass that person on to somebody else or to, to move it on to someone who has more authority or to get others around you so you can pray with more authority. Spirits, sometimes when you come against them, they will seek to intimidate you because they want to stay in the house that they possess. They will might even say to you they're Satan or they're Lucifer himself or they might say they'll expose you or or anything like that to frighten you. I don't think we'll ever confront Satan himself. He's too proud. He's too arrogant to do that. He's seated in heavenly places. That's where his power base is. He's in the heavenlies. In John 13 and 27, it says that Satan entered into Judas. I don't think he did. I think an evil spirit entered into Judas. This was probably only a, a manner of speaking. He entered through the agency of the demonic. We see this also other places in the New Testament. It says about Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5 and 3, how is it that Satan has filled your heart? I don't think it was Satan that filled their heart. I think it was a demonic spirit. 
And we know that when Jesus one day is speaking to Peter, he says, Satan, get behind me. Well, he wasn't talking to Satan that was in Peter. He was saying, you're speaking the words of Satan or you're being influenced by a spirit that is lying to you and deceiving you, Peter, so get behind. This idea is paralleled with the idea that we say Jesus lives inside of us. No, Jesus can't live inside of you because he's a man. Yet it says in, in John's Gospel that I and the Father will come and dwell with you. Well, they can't actually. They dwell with us by the person of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, not the Father, not the Son, but the Holy Spirit who is one with the Father and one with the Son and he comes and lives inside of us as born-again believers. So we're only ever going to be dealing with uh, rank and file demons so I'm, I'm trying to say don't be intimidated by them you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus he's won the victory for you as you step out into this realm and I don't know why you're receiving this teaching at this time I can only believe that God wants to use you to step into this realm and to deal with the demonic because in the lives of the people around you the little bit I know in talking to you you're obviously living with people all the time that are operating under the influence of power and demonic things and you now know the authority that you carry to be able to help them to pray for them to speak against these forces of darkness that are there you can take authority so maybe only initially in your prayer life when you're praying for someone if you identify or have the sense that the spirit is telling you the holy spirit is telling you you're dealing with the demonic start speaking out against the demonic start taking authority with the words that come out of your mouth to bind and take authority over demonic things in their lives the activity of demons well outside the body we said last week a, 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 an evil spirit will come to influence you it says in James 4 and 7 submit yourself then to God resist the devil and he will flee from you just to remind you it's not sufficient simply to submit yourself to God that comes first we submit to God but we must resist the enemy now you say well Philip how do I do it well we're learning we have to speak out against the enemy we speak out against his strategy and his plans we 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 use the scripture the Word of God what the Holy Spirit inspires us to say to push the enemy back or to bind up or to take authority over him we do it with the words that come out of our mouth in Peter 5 8 and 9 it says be self-controlled and alert that means watch and pray because your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering so there is an enemy who is strolling around seeking to devour you you must resist him am I resisting the enemy ask yourself that question when he is attacking my family am I resisting him when he's attacking my finances am I am I resisting him when there is sickness in the camp am I resisting him or am I simply calling on God 
Well, calling on God is good, but resistance is important as well. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He is above you, controlling and manipulating in your life. His power base is in the heavenlies. What I mean by that is obviously not in the heavenlies where God is. God is seated in the heavens of heavens, which is the third heaven. But Satan is situated above the earth in the second heaven. He is manipulating and controlling and influencing many people in the world. We move on now to the next lesson. Next lesson is um, what they seek to do. What is it that evil spirits will seek to do in our life? Well, the first thing I've put here is that they will seek to entice you. A spirit seeks to entice you into sin, to draw you away from God, tempting people, suggesting things to them. Now, don't be offended by this, because when Jesus went into the wilderness, and we've mentioned him a few times, the devil came to tempt him. He said, listen, you want to be the king of the whole world. I can make this possible. It was a temptation. Listen, he said, if you turn the stones into bread and you feed the whole world with all the stones, everyone will follow you. You will be the king of the world. Then he, he offered him, remember, that he would give him all power and authority in the world. Or if he did miraculous things like jump from the, uh, the pinnacle of the, the, the tabernacle out uh, of the temple, how angels would come and hold him and support him. And in all these ways, he would be recognized with supernatural power to meet the needs of everyone. It was a crafty, crafty offer of Satan because he says, no. I'm not doing it this way. I'm not going to be tempted. So the, to think that you're tempted to do wrong is, is quite normal. Satan entices us. Take it. Do you remember perhaps when you were a child that, that temptation to steal things, a temptation to do wrong? Why is it that children would go in a kitchen and pull a kettle with hot water over them? Why is it they would do that? Who suggested that into their mind? Who suggested that they would put their hands into the fire or get into all sorts of problems? Where did that temptation come from? Where did the idea come from? Satan's evil. He's evil in every way possible to entice us and to tempt us. The second thing that he does very well is he deceives us. Satan is a deceiver. He blinds us from the truth. It says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, it says, the God of this world has blinded the mind of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. He blinds, he deceives and he blinds. He doesn't want us to see the truth. He snatches the word away from us. How many sermons can you remember? Did you listen to a sermon on Sunday? What was it all about? You go, oh, that's unfair, Phil. I can't remember. Um, come on, give me at least two points. Give me the title. Tell me what was said. Oh, oh, um, um, uh, uh, you see, he stole the word away. 
the word that was preached to you and I tell you something whoever preached it he put a bit of effort to get it together well I sincerely hope he did or she did put a bit of effort to put it together to give you the word of the truth of God and probably within a day even in half a day you've forgotten everything that was said why is that I can watch a film on television and I can tell you everything about it I can tell you all the details everything else but sometimes when it comes to the word of God he snatches it away See, the enemy doesn't mind us, our minds being filled with rubbish, but he is, he is very concerned that we don't fill our minds with the truth and the word of God. So he comes, the deceiver comes to snatch the word of God away. The third thing that the enemy does, he enslaves us. He makes us prisoners. It says in Romans 8 and 15, uh, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. See, these spirits are sent to enslave us, put us in chains. We don't realize that we're locked into things that we can't get free of. We think we're free until we want to be free. If you went out in the street there and you knocked on some door neighbor's doors and you said, do you realize you're a prisoner to Satan? They'd, well, first slam the door in your face, but even if you got them to listen to you for a minute, you say, do you realize you're a slave? You're a slave. And they'll say, no, I'm not a slave. I say, oh, you are. And if they, if there were people that smoked, the same thing, well, if you're not a slave, stop smoking. Well, they say, no, I can't do that. Why? Because you're a slave to it. You're a slave to, to drink. You're a slave to attitudes. You're a slave to doing things in a certain way. The devil, he enslaves us. We're enslaved to habits. We're enslaved to cravings or unclean desires. We're, we could be a slave to fear or a slave to depression see what's happening in this covid thing the devil is enslaving people some people are so bound with fear bound with the, the fear of, of all sorts of things he's working all the time to enslave people jesus said i've come to set the captive free i've come to release the prisoner you don't have to be slave or captive to anything from the enemy they come to torment us they delight in causing anguish and pain physical mental emotional they come to bring fear and torment into your life most of the things you fear will never happen to you ever 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 and yet you go around all day fearing they will fearing for your children fearing for your grandchildren fearing for and and where does that come from it's the enemy talking to you all the time saying i'm going to do this to you i'm going to do that to you i'm going to do this and people are so afraid of not having enough money or whatever it doesn't it's just the enemy's way of tormenting us when jesus said i've come to enable you to walk in freedom and liberty they compel us they, they, they bring us into compulsive ways of living. It says in Luke and, uh, in 8 and 29, Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man many times. It had seized him 
and uh, sorry, uh, because it had seized him and th and thrown him. Uh, let me start again. Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him and th and threw. And he was, sorry, he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard. He had broken his chains and been driven by demons into solitary places. See, they drive you. They drive you to go where you don't want to go, to think what you don't want to think. They have a compulsion. They're forcing you. They're pushing you forward all the time. They want to take away your harmony with other people, your peace that's in life. They want to break up your, your, your physical strength and everything. So they're driving, compelling forces. So they've come to entice you into sin. They've come to deceive you of the truth. They've come to enslave you into bad habits. They've come to torment you in your mind. They've come to compel you, to drive you to where you don't want to go. And sixthly, they come to defile you. They seek to debase what God has intended the temple of the Holy Spirit to be. All roots of perversion and sexual sin have come from the enemy. All forms of sexual immorality open doors to evil spirits who then promote the uncleanness that let them in. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18 and 20, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were brought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Evil spirits come to defile you. It says in that scripture, that is the one sin where we sin against our own body. What does that mean? It means we allow people to commit sin with our bodies. We allow that to happen. We permit it to happen. We become the very, the source of the sin or where the sin takes place. How do we tell if someone needs deliverance or not? Is it just a besetting sin? Uh, is it just a sin of the flesh or has, has a demonic stronghold taken place? If you're going to minister deliverance to people, it might be important that you determine whether it's demonic or not. I usually approach uh, someone who comes to me by thinking it is demonic. I, I don't fuss whether it's a spirit or it's not a spirit. Uh, it's the same way uh, when someone comes to you if they're sick. You think, well, God doesn't want anyone sick, so I'm going to pray for that person that they get well. Uh, you just make the assumption so you just minister and you feel confident to minister that God doesn't want anyone sick so you're going to pray for them to be healed now in some cases some sickness is unto death and people won't get healed but that doesn't stop you praying you're going to pray believing that God wants everyone healed with the demonic I I approach it with the fact that if you have a problem it could be demonic I don't know whether it is or not but but if it is let's attack it as though it was if it's not, I'm probably not going to do you any harm. Uh, I've never prayed a demon into someone, I don't think, up to this point. Uh, we're normally quite good at getting them out. We don't pray them in. I mean, you, you don't get them prayed into you. you, you well, we'll find out how, how demonic spirits enter us. 
usually they enter us because we keep repeating sin over and over and over again and we open the door to them so yeah just just think oh well i'm going to go for for the demonic now one author that i've read a lot about this whole ministry is of course derek prince and he came down to the conclusion that he thought about 80 percent of people needed deliverance so he's a much wiser man than me so i'll go along with that so uh, if you come to me with a, a besetting sin problem or something that's troubling you you can be sure at some time uh, apart from talking to you about what the word of god says i will have a go at casting it out of you uh, and if it's not the spirit well praise the lord you can go on all it means is you must be a bit more disciplined in your life but what if it was a spirit wouldn't that be wonderful that you could leave free of that problem in your life so uh, there's two ways of determining if something is demonic one is by revelation the other is by detection one of the gifts of the holy spirit is the gift of discernment so when someone comes to you you could perhaps by the power of the holy spirit and the gift of discernment discern whether it was a spirit or not a spirit some people see spirits i've ministered with people uh, where they are very very discerning and i'm there to do the 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 fighting the battling uh, and so they sit and listen and they'll say oh i feel the spirit of god is saying such and such and such so i listen to what they say and then i attack that particular area in their lives and it's amazing they see things so clearly that i never saw oh i don't i don't fuss about that too much sometimes when i'm praying for people and coming against things the spirit shows me something in their face or their mannerisms or what they're doing with their body or with their hands and you go oh i see what that is that's pride that's anger that's that's whatever you know the holy spirit will give you a name and then you can just attack that thing that's all by revelation revelation the other method is by detection as you sit down with people and they explain what their problems are to you you just listen to what they're saying and you say well i've seen this before this is a symptom of such and such and such uh, and of course in time then i've built up a whole pattern of different demonic problems in people's lives it comes by experience so uh, now i've determined well i think i know what the seven major spirits are that affect people's lives so i'll give them to you now i'll probably give them to you again before we finish the first spirit that i'm looking for if i sit down with somebody is a spirit of rejection this is this is the major spirit that's operating in the church and in people's lives love is the most important element in the world it's the most important thing in the kingdom of god for god so loved we're supposed to be loving people uh, he, jesus said uh, these three will remain faith hope and love and the greatest of these is love so satan's job is to destroy love in a believer's life now you're thinking oh perhaps he would attack that with a spirit of hatred no he doesn't he's too smart the devil's smart you know i don't i don't like admitting it but he is smart at times uh, he will attack you with a spirit of rejection 
a sense that no one loves you, no one listens to you, you're not important, there's always more important people than you, your opinion isn't very important, your mother didn't really love you, she didn't want you, your father didn't spend enough time with you. Well, however this has been ministered to you over the years, we suffer, a lot of the church suffer from this major, major issue of they feel rejected, unloved, and so they're not able to give love because they don't feel love they can't give love we need to first know that we're loved to be able to love god first loved us he loves us if you listen to sermons for the rest of your life just about the love of god it would completely transform your life to know how much god loves you and he cares for you but listen it's not a question of just words that are spoken we need to know it deep down in our heart you are loved and precious to God I am the apple of God's eye I don't know what that makes you but I'm his favorite I don't know about you I am number one as far as God is concerned whatever you you what I don't know where you are in the line but I I tell you I am number one he loves me more than anybody else in the whole world and he would do anything for me anything in the world see you've got to get to that place but rejection, being brought up with a spirit of rejection and being rejected and called names and failures in your life, it just binds you so you cannot appreciate how much God loves you. The second area is that of rebellion. Rebellion is something that is the nature of our old spiritual father, Satan himself. He was a rebel, a liar, a murderer from the start. And because we were brought, brought up in his world, we, we have taken on board this spirit of rebellion, which we need to get rid of. We need to not stand against authority, stand against God's word. We need to be submissive in our hearts to authoritative things, to not have a rebellious spirit. Isn't it terrible today? Everyone is like, don't tell me what to do. This is why we've tiptoed through this pandemic because the government are so nervous that if they come down too strong, the people would just rebel. What is wrong with us? We are of a rebellious people. So rejection is the major spirit. The second one is rebellion. The third one is a spirit of unforgiveness. If we are not forgiving, then the Father cannot forgive us. We cannot carry any unforgiveness in our hearts at all. We must forgive everyone for everything they've given. That doesn't mean you have to be their best friend. You just have to find forgiveness in your heart, confess it, and, and keep in that place that you choose to love people. Even, even if you distance yourself from them for a period of time, you might have to do that. The fourth strongest spirit that we'll ever have to deal with is that of fear. Fear in the hearts of people. The Word of God says, as I read it there, He's not given us a spirit of fear but of a sound mind. The enemy will come and lie to you all the time and bind you with spirits of fear. That's why we don't do things that we should do, move out with the confidence we should, uh, operate in the gifts of the Spirit like we should. We're not as generous as we should be because of the spirit of fear. Fear dominates so many people's lives. The next area of sin in our life is, is the sexual sin. We become tormented by the images that surround us all the time. 
it's interesting how God, he, he gives us a, a desire for sexual relationship. Of course, what the enemy comes, that which is a natural desire, he wants to push it along so it's out of control in our lives. We'll look at a list of some of those things a little bit later. The sixth thing is the occult. He wants to draw us into the occult. And you say, oh, I'm never involved in the occult. Do you know what sign of the zodiac is yours? If you know, just indicate it. Do you know the sign of the zodiac that's, that dominates your life? Yeah, I thought so. You see, it's interesting, isn't it? We're not interested in it and yet we know it. I hope you don't read them anymore and you've stopped reading it a long time ago. Okay, so don't, if you're reading them, don't read them anymore because they're lies, they're written by the devil. So don't read them anymore. Okay, so, but we've been drawn into many things, many superstitious things, many things that are hidden and secret. The word occult means that. It means things that are hidden and secret. See, we have an appetite because we're children of God for the supernatural. But if we seek after the supernatural, after the devil, we're going to get ourselves in a real, real mess. And some Christians find themselves crossing the line because they're not keeping themselves in line with what the Spirit of God says, what the Bible teaches, and they're, they're going off into areas where they shouldn't. The seventh area that I've discovered in lots of people's lives is there are curses operating in their lives that have come through their family, from their mother, their father, their grandparents, great-grandparents. Because of the sins of their parents and grandparents, it has taken the whole family into bondage. So just running through them very quickly, rejection is the major one. Rebellion is the second. Unforgiveness is the third. Fear is the fourth. Sexual sins is the fifth. Uh, involvement in the occult is the sixth. And seventh is curses that are operating in our lives. Whenever I sit down with anyone, I have this in my head through experience of talking to many people over and over again and so I can be like a doctor asking questions and so we can end up coming to a conclusion what is it that's binding this person what is it that's working what is it the enemy's doing remember I said the devil has a settled war plan Paul says we're not ignorant of his schemes that is the devil's scheme to bind you as a child to keep you bound, to hold you down with fear, to then draw you into sexual sin, into the occult if he possibly can, and he crowns it all with you living under the curse of things that have operated in your family for a long time. Now, if I sat down with any one of you and said, have you got any of these problems? You might say, well, actually, Phil, yeah, a little bit of all, okay? Because that is what the enemy uses. Now, I'm not saying you're demonized in all those areas. Heaven forbid I'm saying that. But what I'm saying, that's the strategy he uses all the time in people's lives to bring them into bondage, to cause them to be ineffective in the kingdom. As you sit and talk to people, you hear what they're saying, you make notes on what they're saying, and the Holy Spirit will guide you into detecting the problems that they have. Now you might say, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to wait on the Holy Spirit and to discern what it is. Well, as we looked at that passage last week when Jesus dealt with the gathering demoniac, why did he ask him questions? 
Why did Jesus ask the gathering demoniac questions? If, I mean, Jesus could have operated by a perfect gift of discernment, why didn't he just discern what the man's problems were? No, he asked him. He said, what is your name? Who are you? And he said, my name is Legion, for we are many. So if Jesus can operate by detection, so can we. Thank God for discernment. Thank God for detection. Thank God for the wisdom that he gives us. Problems that might suggest the presence of evil spirits. Well, let's go through a little list here. Emotional problems in people's lives. People feeling resentment, rejection, self-pity, hatred, anger, jealousy, depression, worry, inferiority, insecurity. Are these things a torment to you? I don't mean that you don't feel them from time to time. I'm sure in this lockdown we've all felt a little bit of depression. Something happens in our family and we feel a little bit of worry. These are normal, natural things. But I'm talking about when they torment you. When these things are tormenting you day and night and you can't sleep. Inferiority, worry, depression, fear. If these are common in your life every day, you've got to ask the question, is there a spirit here? Am I bound? Mental things, torment, indecision, compromise, doubt, confusion, loss of memory, rationalization, find it impossible to be rational in your thinking, loss of memory. Third thing, speech, lying, cursing, blasphemy, criticism, mockery, railing, gossip. Now, we could all do this. I hope we don't because we've moved on on Christ sufficient. But... I'm talking about when it becomes an obsession. It becomes a thing that we can't control and we can't stop. Some people just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And I think, I think you need deliverance. I really do. It's not normal. What's wrong with you? Stop talking so much. Uh, you know, or, or people who gossip all the time. It's like, what's going on? Stop it. Stop it. Why can't you be normal? Okay. You say, well, it's only normal to you. No, we all know what normal is. When you find someone who's doing something that's abnormal, you say, this is abnormal. Okay. I had a friend in ministry who said to me very simple words. He said, Philip, odd is odd. Odd is odd. So if something's odd, it's odd. Okay. And, and be open to this could be a spiritual bondage in the person's life and they just need some help to get free of this sort of thing. Now, how you suggest it might be demonic, I don't know. That's another issue for another day. There's also that whole sexual uh, area of our life, the sexual sin area. Unclean acts and thoughts, fantasy, sexual experiences, masturbation, perversion, adultery, lust, incense, fornication, harlotry, being provocative or a voyeur, all of that sort of stuff, it becomes obsessive in people's lives. They can't rest, they can't find peace. Even as Christians, they hate themselves for always having thoughts or being drawn to you know, stuff on the television that they shouldn't be watching or drawn to the computer. Uh, and we know how much stuff there can come up on the computer. They're bound, they're bound in their lives and they can't get free. 
addictions, nicotine, alcohol, drugs, medicine, caffeine, food, nothing should have control over us. We have to take medication, I understand that. Uh, you know, and uh, we, we, need, we need food and, and we need things, but do you have to drink as much as you do? Uh, why do you do that? Ask, just ask yourself the question, is, is it more than normal, more than natural? Physical things, allergies, migraines, skin disorders, cancers. Often praying for people, I've discovered who have these physical problems, it could be rooted in a spirit. A spirit could have come in to cause these things to happen. And uh, we need perhaps, once we've delivered them of the spirit, to then pray for healing. There's that passage, isn't there, in, uh, I think it's... Um, Oh, my memory fails me. There was the lady who had the curvature of the spine, remember, and Jesus met her. It says she was a daughter of Abraham. It meant she was a, a woman of faith. And it says before he could heal her, he cast the spirit out of her. And once the spirit had gone, he healed her back. And for the first time, she was able to stand up straight. It was a spirit that was causing it. I don't know whether the sickness allowed the spirit in or the spirit allowed the sickness to come. We don't know, but we see the two that were functioning and operating together. So often when there is physical sickness in the body, the root of it could be a spirit. We need to be open to those things. Another area that might indicate the presence of demons is religious error, false religions, Christian cults, a cult, false doctrines. I remember praying for a lady oh, some years ago now. She came forward for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And as I prayed for her to receive, she said, I can't, I can't get free. I, I can't speak. I want to. It's though there's something stopping the words coming out. So I knew that she had a Catholic background. So I said to her, um, you know, did you, did you worship a uh, you know the idols that there are in the catholic church or you pay homage to mary and worship mary she says yes i did so i came across against the spirits that were operating a religious spirit from the catholic church in this particular case listen i'm not saying catholics are all wrong i'm not saying that i'm saying about this particular woman and her particular problem why she couldn't be free and I rebuke the spirit associated with the, the Catholic Church in this particular case. Immediately she started to manifest, but she manifested speaking in Latin. Perfect Latin. I mean, I don't know perfect Latin, but it sounded pretty perfect to me. She was just like saying all this Latin stuff that, that would have been found in, in the Catholic Church. Uh, we stopped and I said, what was that? And she said, I don't know. I don't know what it was anyway. So we said, right, let's pray again for you to receive the baptism. And she was immediately freed and she could speak in tongues because the thing had, had left her. You see, all sorts of things will bind us. Uh, religious, false religious teaching will bind us. There are people who can't be free in the Holy Spirit because of the doctrine that all the gifts of the Spirit have now passed away and that speaking in tongues is of the devil. And people have sat and listened to that and believed it and received it and they are bound by a Spirit. Now they can't get free even if they want to. They can't. They need to be delivered and set free and all the other funny uh, cults and different things that are operating. It's interesting when you talk to people, always remember to ask them if they've had deliverance in the past and what they had deliverance from 
and whether they manifested all those sorts of things I found that when I'm speaking to people who have demonic problems the demons love to show off they love to say you know like I'm here and I can control this person in a very subtle way but you have to listen sometimes to the answers that people are given remember a good counsellor listens sympathetically he does more listening than talking but at the same time guard yourself against self-pity or, or pity for the person um, you you come to love the person accept the person but you're going to do warfare against the spirit that is seeking to destroy that person's life so you love the person but you're far from love when it comes to dealing with that tormenting thing I've also discovered that uh, evil spirits they uh, often operate in groups uh, they don't just come in ones or twos um, it says in Matthew 12 and 45 we've looked at this many times then it goes and takes with it seven others more wicked than itself so one spirit will open the door to other spirits and all of a sudden there's a network of spirits within I think I said this to you last week you look at any account of deliverance in the New Testament and there's never just one spirit there's multiple spirits even the man in the synagogue who got delivered fairly easy last week that we read about he said what do you want with us what do you want with us and so that's always the way so one spirit will open the door to others and in time you'll learn to understand the network of different spirits that draw other spirits in that bind the people there is also I've discovered a progression of control in someone's life the best example of this is uh, Saul himself in the Old Testament we read about him in 1 Samuel uh, there's a lot of chapters to read there 18 to 13 where we read the life of Saul um, we when we read about Saul we see that Saul was first he was insecure he was he, he suffered from rejection I believe and then this led to depression and remember it was David that came and as David played the harp it's that the spirits that were in him seemed to subside he wasn't delivered of those spirits it was just the worship of God causes those spirits to just um, settle down with him he went sadly downhill though into jealousy remember how jealousy was of David he became angry we read of his rage his hatred his murder his fear his paranoia he moves into the occult he visits the witch of Endor then he involves uh, himself in his own personal suicide we see a decline in this man's life he was totally broken down instead of coming and dealing with the things and there was a way for him to deal with it he allowed this thing to control his life and totally to destroy him it is important that the person who's coming for deliverance has the right attitude we there was a question about this last week a person's attitude in seeking deliverance if it's not right will hinder them receiving deliverance they must come with a humble attitude they must come to cooperate and they must be willing to submit to those that are uh, carrying out the ministry so it's all right if someone agrees with your teaching and uh, they want deliverance what if someone comes to you with help 
and they know nothing about deliverance, nothing about evil spirits. Well, tread very carefully. Don't frighten the living daylights out of them. You might have to pick your words carefully. Okay, don't call demons demons necessarily. You have to call it something else. Um, and, and pick your words and then know what you can do and what you can't do with them. Be very sensitive. And then, of course, in the end, if they are set free from something and they know they, they've been set free, there's been a manifestation, then you can explain to the person what particularly has gone on in their life. You've been listening to the Arise Bible Academy podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching on the topic of deliverance and please come back next week for lesson three of the module. Also, starting on the 1st of February, we have a new module entitled Foundations. You can go onto our website now at ariseministry.org.uk to register your place. Also, if you would like to give a secure online donation to the ministry, you can do so on our website. Arise Ministry, a living legacy.